I, I truly firmly believe, and I'm going to drop a B word in here, it's that important that we are deliberate creators. Uh, and that we are here to actually create something based on the templates. You know, like when you get a website, you don't go with the template. Uh, you create your own thing. That's just there for you to start off of, right? Just like with this whole like Great Reset, this Klaus Anal Schwab and all this kind of stuff. A lot of people are scared and gearing up with guns and all that. It's just an option of experience in my opinion. So it's yeah. not an inevitability. Inevitability is whatever you create. Yeah. This is why like if you're encouraged to do that. And so this is what I encourage people. This is why also my core mission is to give people back to themselves because from that core mission, we can then establish who you really are, get your relationship with you. And that's when you're powerful. That's when you actually step out of the role of the character you've been playing and realize you're the actor that was playing the character. And yeah. it's a very different game after that. Very different. You got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Does Dolly Parton have to sleep on her back? Yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Too pasty. Hang on. <laughs> There you go. Okay. Okay. We're going to get through this. Yeah, what? We're, do we're doing it? We're doing it. Hello. We're here. Hi. Hello. Hello. G'day. <laughs> G'day. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Get through this. G'day. Welcome to ATP. Where am I? ATP. Accentuate the positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you again. And... <laughs> So we've started, we were on a roll already. I've got the fabulous Brandon Thomas on the show with me today from Expanding Reality, having a sip of water. Uh, I've been on Brandon's show. G'day. G'day, g'day. Welcome g'day. to the show. Thank you so much. This is so awesome. You were so much fun. We have the giggles. We've been having so much fun here. So let's let the audience in on it. We might as well. Yeah. Okay. Tell the audience what we've been talking about. The cat, uh, the cat, do you want me to? I could share my screen if you'd like. I mean, there's a video here. Let's do that. For the video, for the audio only audience, I'm going to help out. So I'm Brandon Thomas, um, expandingrealitypodcast.com. I haven't done oh. your intro yet. I'll do your intro in a minute, but just show, show people what we've been talking about. Okay, gotcha. He um, said, he said are, you, are we recording? I said, no, not yet. <laughs> we yeah, were talking so, about Kitty kitty Jewels. What was it called? Uh, here, I've got, uh, I'm going to share screen here. So yes, we were, we were talking about, because I... Her cat always jumps in on her whenever she hits record and mine does the same. Like he knows whenever I hit record and he'll come in here. I was just saying that, you know, cats come in here and we just see their buttholes all the time. My wife was talking about this thing that she found years ago and it's uh, the twinkle tush. <laughs> and what this thing does is if you're tired, I'm going to do an infomercial for it. Uh, here, I've got music and everything here. Hang on. <laughs> If you're tired of seeing your cat's butthole and you're just like, man, I'm tired of that seeing that butthole. Well, we have the perfect solution for you, the Twinkle Tush. Come on down. Twinkle Tush, cover your cat's butthole so you don't see it. Until now. I love it. I, love it. I, said, to, I said to Brandon, I've seen his cat's butthole a few times on, mm -hmm. his, on his shows. And he goes, there's a remedy for that. Let me let me tell people who you are. People I like this. Are... First of all, they put one on Dr. Evil's cat. And I don't know what's going on with this, but look at the twinkle tush. Uh, I think this is wonderful. The selfless plug. I would absolutely affiliate for this for this brand. What about you? 
I'm I'm gonna reach out. Okay, I'm, we'll stop sharing. I'm definitely gonna share that to go. my daughter. That's she what said, we've been giggling she sends about. Me, I wake up in the morning and to endless cat memes from my daughter on Instagram. Okay, let me tell people what you're all about. Yeah. Brandon Thomas is a seeker, philosopher, musician, rancher, <laughs> avid idea hunter, and lover of all things fascinating. He has a long-term obsession with interesting people and out there ideas, and is the creator, producer, and host of Expanding Reality Podcast Show. <laughs> His mind-expanding experiences at 18 sent him full strut down the path not taken, forging his own as a deliberate creator. His first and highly impactful psychedelic experience and first spiritual awakening was ignited by the book's Conversation with God, which we chatted about because Brandon was on the Conscious Awakening Network on Cosmic Conversations a few weeks ago, and we had a yes. great conversation on that. I was hosting for Sheila, so, but we'll go into it again today, and hopefully we'll talk about things we didn't talk about there so people can listen to both of them. This was your introduction to Unity Consciousness. The wake-up call held an impossible was impossible to ignore feeling that the picture of reality authority figures are painting is real did not align with your observations of the world around. This presented Brandon with an interesting set of lenses to the to view the world through. His boundless curiosity has empowered him to become a magnet for incredible people. He always says, I'm a magnet for incredible people, which I love. Yeah, it's a great it's his superpower, great affirmation to have. Those of whom he shares with the world by engaging in insightful conversations about fringe topics and mind-blowing guests on the show, on his show, Expanding Reality. He shares his open heart and love for all life with his wife, Mary, and a few animals on his ranch in Texas. And your website is Expanding Reality Podcast.com. <laughs> we were just talking about Donkey. Donkey had a few problems. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that girl. Uh, we had, so have you ever heard of the show Generation Z? No. Oh, it's incredible. I'm going to, um, we'll plug him because he's a buddy. But uh, as I'm talking about it here, so my buddy from Generation Z, Dave Z, came to spend a couple of days with us, which turned into like nine days, which was amazing. Like we had an amazing time with this guy. And uh, while we were hanging out, one of the things that we did was the first day he got here, he was like, hey, brother, if I can be of any assistant, he's Canadian. He's so sweet. He was like, if I could be of any assistance around the ranch or around the house or anything like that, just please let me know. And uh, I went out to do a head count the next morning when we woke up and I said, you know what? You're in luck. We actually do have something that you can do. It's in, it's in the form of ranching. And I didn't tell him anything about it. So I'm going to tell you about this experience, but I'm going to plug him real quick. So this is Generation Z podcast. Highly recommend it. This beautiful, beautiful Canadian right here is Dave Zed. He is fascinating. This is easily one of the most brilliant minds of our time right here, this guy. Um, he Ooh. was on uh, several episodes recently with Elsa Dillon. Uh, he was on, we called it Botox Lightning. That was an awesome conversation. And then also he was on the 200th episode that was just released, the latest release on uh, my feed from there. So anyway, Generation Z podcast, make sure you guys check that out. Uh, YouTube, fascinating dude, love Dave. Anyway, Dave was here, took a head count, saw that the donkey was... Um, uh, her the top of her eyelid. I'm going to be as least graphic as possible. I have pictures and videos and stuff, and I'm not into gory shit. So I'm just going to tell you about it. So her top meat of her eyelid on her right eye was uh, she got caught on something, a piece of metal fencing, something like that. We live in Texas. We have 12 acre ranch. There's just stuff. You know what I mean? There's an edge of fencing, a T post. You can get it caught on any a stick, anything. So 
she came walking up with this um, half of her eyelid like hanging off, like the meat hanging down into her eye, blood on her face, all that good stuff. So she walked over. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so that's how I saw what happened. So I come inside. Dave's there. I said, hey, Dave, you're doing some ranching today, buddy. And he was like, okay. So uh, we go outside, and I'd already called the vet. I knew what I needed to do, which was put a halter on this donkey, which is not something that we'd never done before. She'd been out here for eight years. She's We don't know how old. They lived to be about 40, and we got her when she was very old already eight years ago. And she's our first animal out here. Her name is June. She's one of our miniature donkeys that we have, and we just love her to death. So um, we get her into a stall with a bunch of a series of apples and treats and things like this. And now we have four other, uh, five other donkeys. So we have six donkeys. Some right now we're just the ass ranch. We've had, I mean, horses, uh, goats, pigs, like all kinds of stuff. We have chickens and donkeys right now. So we're the chicken and ass ranch. And so what the other girls though, were just like, and they're all girls. So like Jurassic park, right? They're all female. Um, and so, the girls were all standing around really concerned or like, what are y'all doing and stuff? And they were getting apples too. So they were really into that. So me and this, my, my friend, Dave in from Canada, his first time hanging out in real Texas, he's flown in and stuff and not like been to Texas. So he's hanging out at this ranch in Millsap, Texas, um, with the attempting to wrangle up this donkey. We finally get the halter on by him holding a treat in the palm of his hand through the hole of the mouthpiece. So she reached through the mouthpiece to grab it. And I just held it. Now, before we went outside, I've never put a halter on this donkey. We could have easily been shaken, right? And the way ranching is done sometimes is you go rope that animal, you get it handled, and you tough it up however tough. Not all ranchers are like this, but there are some mentalities that it's just your power over this animal. Now, the way we do this out here is, yes, we have a ranch. We do not eat these animals. They are rescues. So the June is a rescue. She came out here as a rescue. One of the donkeys we have, Ophelia, she'd never seen grass before she got out here. Wow. And there's like 10 acres of beautiful grass with a huge pond out there and stuff. So it's a place to rescue animals. That's why I listed a bunch of animals that we've had because we've like given them homes and then send them off to better homes or whatever, or different homes. Anyway, so she, so as I was uh, telling Dave this in the kitchen, like, hey, uh, here's what we're going to do. We manifested this thing before we even went out there. So first of all, before this, like I would have, I'd not know what to do, but I would, wouldn't have handled it like a normal rancher, which is just go tough it out and rope it up and hug it and get it fucking pinned down and whatever. But I told Dave, I was like, dude, we're going to manifest this together. I said, she's injured, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to get that halter on her. We're going to know immediately she knows we're here to help. We're putting out that vibe and all the other donkeys know that we're here to help too. We've got these apples cut up. We're going to go out there very calmly and just get her in that stall, tie her up. And just be calm. And then the vet's coming in like 30 minutes. Okay. So here's what we do. We manifested this and we sat there and thought about it. Every single thing that I said happened. Mm. There was no ruckus. There was no kerfuffle. Mm -hmm. This donkey had never been haltered before and had no problem with it whatsoever. These ridiculous things as far as this stuff goes, because some of the donkeys we brought out here and animals we brought out here, I have had to brand handle for a better term. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mm -hmm. Got my arm around him and just held him and being drug across the field as we're getting him out of this horrible situation, but they don't understand that. Mm. But this was not that. So anyway, we did this whole thing. Vet comes out. Uh, Dave's over there blocking the side for the other donkeys not to get through while we're watching this, uh, you know, five foot nothing vet. She's tough as nails. This woman lives out here like two minutes from us in the sticks in, uh, in the country in Texas. And she barrel races horses. And she's this tiny little thing. But she hops up on these massive horses just like it's nothing. And she's, like I said, tough as anything. And she's just over there sewing this donkey's eye back on in this stall in dusty Texas while her assistant's holding it. We're just having a normal conversation. It was incredible. So that was that day. And then literally an hour before we, we got on here tonight, 
um, my wife and I went out and never done this before and removed the stitches from her eye. And that was a whole damn thing. So again, we manifested and calmly got the halter on her, got her some treats, calmed down, got all the stitches out. And that open tab is closed. She's completely healed. There was, like I said, ointment we put on it every day and she's completely healed. So ranch it. Ranch it. Yeah, ranch what, you were, what you were doing, you were communicating with the animal, and yes. um, which we can all do, but we don't think we, we don't, think we can like we think we have to the animal's going to be scared like we create what we think is going to happen we create this scenario so the animal's wild it's going to be scared we think about it and create our experience but rather it's going to be calm she's going to yeah. comply just communicate with the animal you're okay you're safe the animal understands yeah like yeah it's the new way brandon it's the new it's way the new way and, and you the way you know serves its purpose because like i said i've had to not get rough with an animal but i've had to be like okay you're coming with us you know never mm -hmm. hit an animal nothing like that but just held on and been drug across the field like that's fine I'm, i've th been thrown into barbed wire fences my wife hates watching me do this by the way and um but we get the animals taken care of and we get them where they need to be and it's just part of it like same thing so i was i really with this channel my inner steve Irwin. Uh, Y'all's great hero, and um, I am, am uh, I'm out there, and I'm like, you're all right, mate. You're all right. You know, I'm like, it's all gonna be all right. You do <laughs> such a great Aussie accent. It's better my favorite than, one to do. Everything than... turns into Australia. Ask me to do an English accent. <laughs> do an English accent. You're all right, mate. You're all right. <laughs> That's it. You're better than Meryl Streep. She made that movie, you know, about the dingo. Dingo's got my baby. And she, she's, you know, the queen of acting. And she did such a bad job of an Australian accent. Most people put on a Cockney accent when they're trying to do Australian accents. But you've got it nailed. God. Oh, darling. <clears throat> so we're here to talk about, what are we here to talk about? We're here to talk mm. about you. We're here to mm. talk about you, consciousness, mm. expanding reality, expanding consciousness. But for people that don't know your journey, let's hear a little bit about your journey. In the bio, you had... You had the expanding experience through the conversation with God books, which I did too. I have to oh, say, yeah. I have to say, I have to say, and we spoke about this on the Conscious Awakening Network. How you had Neil on your show when you first started the show, mm -hmm. he came on your show when you had like hardly any listeners, and Neil came on. I love that about Neil. Like he's love him. You know, he's an uber superstar in the consciousness space, and he won't ask you how many subscribers you have. Like he's going on another friend of mine who's just passed, who's just started a podcast show. No, That's no funny. listeners, like, you know, 20 people will listen, but he's like, yeah, I'll come on. Yeah. I love I'll him. About Neil. So he's yeah, so tell sweet. us your story. Tell us your story. So born and raised in a small town in North Texas, uh, not like country like we live in now, but it was a small suburb type of a place um, outside of a major city in Fort Worth, um, which is next to Dallas for anyone outside of anything. Um, so in that time, I was very sheltered, like, and not for any particular reason. My parents were very religious. So we grew up, you know, vacation Bible school. We were at church, like three times a week, five times a week, something like that. Um, sometimes during events, like every damn night. So uh, raised in uh, church, um, very sheltered, didn't even know what weed was. Like didn't even catch the references in movies or anything like that. Knew my parents drank, but just thought that was an adult thing, had no attraction to it. And that was when I was 17 years old. So that took me from 17 at uh, that summer in between my sophomore and junior year in high school, we moved. My dad got job transferred down to Houston. So from a very small town to a massive city, right? So it's like the eighth largest uh, city in the nation or fourth largest in the nation, something like that. Anyway, so uh, it we moved to this huge city and that was just a massive culture shock. Now, a few things happened with that that brought up a lot of triggers for us as a family unit that really inspired a lot of um, rebellion in me, I, I suppose, because I was just ready to be me and just not knowing what that was or uh, stepping into that um, 
on my own for the first time and then definitely get, uh, getting the opposite reaction of support at the house, then it was just a, it was just an interesting time. And so this is why I focus on this when you say my story. This is like the focal point of when I could say this this spot, you know what I mean? This this moment. It lasted about a year and a half and it just completely changed me and set me on the on the biggest trajectory I'm on now. So with that, um, I was uh, in, like I said, high school, junior year, uh, then we go into senior year. Well, this whole time, uh, late junior year into senior is when I really started to explore and in, to expand. I got introduced to uh, cannabis for the first time. I know there are some people that say that they don't get high on the first time. I definitely did. I had a blast. I laid in the grass with a dog and laughed my ass off. And from then on, uh, Mary Jane and I um, have been very, very good friends. And I've uh, got a wonderful relationship with her. So going from there, then to going back to the house, one of my parents just had a really rough time with it. Um, now, before I say this part of it, I really want to emphasize that everything's healed now and that this part of the story is actually why uh, it's one of my favorite parts because it's so impactful. It's something that changed me so damn much that without it, I would definitely not be the person I am. So I'm grateful for every moment of it. So I must say that first. One of the parents uh, did not take it well that we moved um, away from North Texas and into this place and felt very alone and alienated and it was stressful and all those things. And so not knowing uh, how to deal with that, that parent uh, doing the best they could with the information at the, that they had at the time took it out physically. Uh, it, it first exploded physically on, on me and so I just kept it on me. I figured, well, if it was going to erupt like that and everyone was in the crosshairs, I was just going to make sure that I was the only one in the crosshairs. So the more it happened because I was doing what I was doing, the more I would escalate what I was doing, which was just really exploring me and finding out myself. I was a little shit, uh, to be honest with you. I'm very stubborn and all those things, very intelligent, which is tough for a parent because I, I could always outwit, you know, and always logic poke and just be like, none of this makes sense. Y'all see that, right? It's like seven years old. And they're just like, oh my God. So I get it. Um, and, and again, this, this is a turbulent uh, time and all those triggers and things for that parent. And it's okay. Like everything, again, has been so forgiven and we're, we're wonderful. So anyway, it erupted. I got worse and worse and worse as I got more and more me. That then transpired a few months before graduation into a psychedelic, my first psychedelic experience, which was LSD, liquid acid. Um, and so with that, I took one drop on the tongue. They gave me a huge sweet tart, which was one of those big things with a dropper on it and said, just take it later. I immediately popped it in my mouth because that's just who I am. So two hits of li liquid acid at the age of 18, immediately first time to ever do psychedelics. Now the story was I was staying out at a friend's house. I was still living at home with the parents, by the way. I was still in high school. Staying at home, uh, staying out rather at a friend's house, all alibis covered, all stories, you know, triple checked, all lies done. And my friend had really gotten a hotel room uh, at a place because he had gotten a settlement, a bunch of money. So he'd get these hotel rooms and that was also the one that got me really introduced into ecstasy and acid and all these mind expanding experiences that I had at, at that time in my life. So all bases covered, we get the acid, we go back to the hotel room. There was this huge field that led to a massive over uh, a massive freeway. It's 290. Um, it's a huge highway in, in Houston. And right there, there's a huge over bridge uh, truss thing. It's not a bridge like that you can go on where well, you can, but you're not supposed to. Um, and it's got the huge signs that go over the highway with the lights that point up, you know, and shine on the sign with the catwalk in front of it. Me tripping my ass off. I climb up those trusses, climb up and over out, and then around onto the sign. And I'm sitting on top of that catwalk with the lights in my face, dangling my feet over, watching the cars drive under as I'm feeling connected to everything. I'm feeling one with the universe and all that stuff. So I get down and then my phone rings and it's my mom. And she says, hey, you need to come home. Um, 
and you can't stay out. We know that you've been lying to us and all that shit. So you need to come home. I was like, awesome. So immediately this trip goes from amazing and holy shit and just starting to explore everything and interconnected and oneness of all to the worst hell that I've ever experienced. It immediately expanded my balloon in both directions at the same time, like within moments of each other, right? So I'm, you know, I get to the house. Uh, it was a horrible experience. I'm puking, I'm throwing up all this stuff. My mom yell yelling at me. Her eyeball popped out of her head, rolled down her face, landed on her, landed on the floor. It was a horrible experience, but not really. Just my psychedelic ass thought that that's what happened. And then next morning woke up completely changed. And it was just a very different experience. My eyes were very open to a lot of things. Uh, then a few months later, flash forward to graduation. Graduation was awesome. My grandmother was in town. Gma, my grandma, she was everything, dude. That was my mom's mom. And we were just so, so tight. Uh, loved her. Not many people in the family talked to her. She didn't have a great relationship with my mom, but uh, she was my Gma. You know, that was my rock, my family member. Because also, remember, I was the black sheep. She was also the black sheep. And she was musical. Uh, I was a musician. So we had a lot in common, especially the way we thought. So, she was in town, and then two days after graduation, um, we had an argument about something, uh, that parent and I, and then ended up uh, getting called into the bedroom, like sitting on the bed, get hit. As I mean, I've never been hit like this. Uh, right up against my ear. I don't know if you've ever been hit in the ear, but God, it sucks. Um, and immediately fell back. Then that parent's on top of me choking me. So the, you have this like moment of your parent like choking you, um, you know, in this it, it was just challenging, okay? And I'm 18. I don't know what the hell is going on. So uh, grandma comes in, pulls that parent off. Uh, I then go upstairs, pack uh, my bags with uh, two bags with whatever the hell I could stuff into it, whatever I found important at the time, and my guitar, that little guitar hanging on the wall over there. And then left. I left on foot. I didn't have a car. I called a girlfriend at the time. And then I moved out and moved around. I didn't speak to them for six years. You know what I mean? So I was uh, out doing my thing. And... Um, right after i moved out so now i'm on my own i just had this huge psychedelic experience this toxic experience from the house i had no car i had nowhere to go no money i had a job at chili's i was waiting tables there which is how i got into conspiracy theories because there was a table i waited on i was reading something in the newspaper and he just goffed uh, that the newspaper paper could be so inaccurate about something and my 18 year old ass was just it, it was incomprehensible to me to even question anything like that like the narrative again i wasn't in a grown in a place and all this happened squashed into it like a year year and a half worth of time where i was like hang on we're questioning everything i was like yeah all of it dude reality religion your parent everything the structure of all of it just boom let's go and um from there then this guy was like oh you got to read between the lines god i started researching conspiracies and um spoiler alert uh this was in may of 2001 and then in september of 2001 when i was living in an apartment with that girlfriend uh, after I'd moved out a few months earlier, boom, you know, towers hit and we were, we were talking about all kinds of stuff. So, but right after that, um, all the fear stuff and everything in the same breath, I mean, the same breath of this year and a half span, it was right at the end. One of the last big things was being handed that book, this book right here, conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, hardback cover, exactly like this one. And I devoured it. And it was my look at unity consciousness. And it called me back to what I experienced for a moment there with psychedelics before I fell so hard. Um, and I was just like, hang on, this is all connected. And especially when it got to the part of like Hitler went to heaven and like there's no wrong way. And it just resonated so hard with me because in that whole thing with my parents and all of that, I mean, I shunned not only them, but the religion that spawned them. Right. And so God was, he could fuck off as far as I was concerned. I had was just fine being an atheist. And so I say, you know, to this day, I would have figured it out eventually, but Neil Donald Walsh is the reason I'm not an atheist, you know? So, and then, yeah, uh, 20 years later, had him on the show, which is crazy cool. 
So all of that happened. Um, big, you know, experience, drug experiences after that. I had a rule, no needle drugs. And I stuck to that pun intended and uh, never did any and um, had a great time. Didn't hurt anybody. Didn't die, you know, so uh, and really expanded my horizons and my reality. I just looked at this world um, absolutely unique to anyone else. Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest things is those set of experiences in that time period. You know, I was looking this morning on your Instagram because uh, Brandon posts all this stuff on Instagram, which is fascinating. I don't know how you get it, where you get it all from, but you're prolific with your posting on Instagram, but it's always fascinating. And uh, I shared it on my story with Alex and Alison Gray, mm-hmm. who Alex Gray is that amazing artist. And they're talking about their LSD experience in the 70s, in the 70s, because yeah. I think they're in their 70s now and uh, how it changed their lives and, and inspired their artwork. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. His art, if anyone doesn't know Alex Gray or even Alison Gray, they're married. They've been married for, what, 47 years, they said. Yeah. yeah. Their artwork is wild. And my wife is the one that sent me that, actually. So all shout-outs go to her. I had a guy on recently named Jason Pickard, and he actually um, commissioned a painting from uh, – from Alex Gray. And what's so crazy about it is he goes, and guess what? You know, I commissioned this painting. Everything's awesome. I'm ready to take it. And Alex goes, I got some good news and bad news. He said, yes, I'm going to do the painting for you, but you can't have it yet because Tool is choosing to make it their new album art. So this is the painting that the guy that I had on, Jason Pickard, he's a friend. This guy right here, highly recommend him too. Uh, This is Alex right here painting the damn thing. And he had an old sketch of this and it was based on, so look at... um, Look at his logo. So this is Jason's logo, okay? And he wanted something similar to this. Roots of man must reach down to heaven until until before he can reach up to, or reach down to hell before he can reach to heaven, right? And that's what this is. And that's what Alex Gray painted. So this is Jason and his friend right here standing next to it. Wow. So this is Jason's painting. He commissioned that from Alex, Alex Gray. Isn't that yeah. cool? Yeah. And here's, Al- here's Jason and his daughter with Alex. Oh... Oh, beautiful. And this is on How his... How cute uh, he is with the kids, yeah. This is on his Instagram, yeah. on Jason's Instagram. This is on Instagram. Jason's Instagram, yeah. Jason Pickard Official. Official. So what mm-hmm. does Jason do? Is he a podcaster? Uh, yes, actually. He has a show. I mean, he does all sorts... Oh, look, donkey. See, that's a uh, cow, rather. Jesus. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't, um, so he's the abundance archetype. He is uh, one with me, with the we do not believe in the scarcity mindset narrative pushed by those that say that you have to be broke and be spiritual. Um. He does not believe in that at all. It's uh, education and he does have a podcast and then abundance. That's his whole thing. Nice. And uh, right there on board with it. Value exchange is where this is at. The PSYOP or the psychological operation, as I see it, as Jason sees it as well, has been to push the thumb down on one of the more impressive resources here. And it's only valuable because we all put faith in it. I had a rant on this on Facebook the other day or Instagram, whatever. Uh, and it was about um, value and what what value really is. And really all money is, is it's an egregore. It's a tulpa. But then if you think about rewiring your relationship with that energy, which is just an energy, um, it's it's had a really toxic relationship, you know, with not only you, your family, with everyone in humanity. So there's a lot of healing that needs to go on between you and that energy. And then again, it's just something that's made up. It's it's uh, it's make them ups. It's monopoly money and it's um, undervalued. They print whatever they want. So again, it's not the way forward. I don't know what the way forward is. I'm just saying that Whatever's going on with that, that's not it. And Jason, you know, has some interesting points on that. We were talking with a lot of people about some 
other alternatives. Like again, uh, money is not all there is. There's plenty of value to be exchanged. That's why also I want to point out uh, my shirt here, Redigital. Redigital is um, my publishing house. Redigital, I need to send you an updated bio, by the way, with that in there. But anyway, we um, help uh, authors. So if you're interested, uh, Ridiculously Original is what Redigital stands for. And um, that's what this kind of stuff is. And being a value exchange, you know, if you're an author uh, looking to work with an illustrator, come on. If you're an illustrator looking to get some things done and would like to do some things with some authors, come on. We have a whole huge community of folks that we're working with. And you can just email me at the show and we'll get you set up with a meeting or just a talk or something like that. So we're, we're doing a lot in the form of value exchange. And it's just interesting when you really start to, to look at what it really means to provide value and to exchange value. Uh, and it's just a fascinating concept. So Jason was a wonderful conversation about that. And he was on the show uh, recently. It's within the last 20 episodes or so, I believe. Uh, and, your e and your email is expandingrealitypodcast at gmail. Yes, mm -hmm. at gmail.com. Yeah, mm -hmm. or you can hit us up at the website as well, expandingrealitypodcast.com. Expandingrealitypodcast.com. Um, Neil, let's get back to conversation with God. So, yeah. you know, what I, what I, there's so many people that have read that book. Like every time I talk about it, people come out of the woodwork and say, I read that book. I read that book. I read that book. Yeah. But reading a book and actioning stuff that you read is a really different thing. Like, so it sounds to me like you read about unity consciousness. It like imbued every cell of your consciousness and being, and then you sought to sort of experience that in your daily life. I have to say it was the same with me. I knew I was here on earth to do something and those that book called me into action. Uh, I, at first I wanted to just, you know, join a group with people that were talking about the book. It was before the internet, before I had the internet anyway, and um, couldn't find one so started it. It just like called me into action because of how it repeated. You're in the room to heal the room. It's the only reason you're in the yeah. room. You're in the room to heal the room. There's no one else in the room. There's only one of us in the room. You're in the room to heal the room. There's only one of us in the room. So one of us and you, you know, contributing to that other aspect of self. How did you action it? Like what was going on for you, uh, you know, actioning unity consciousness? You nailed it with that. Uh, you're the only one, you're the only one in the room. And that really stuck with me. The, the idea that whenever you look into the eyes of another, you really are looking into the eyes of yourself. And so I've treated to the best of my ability with the information and all of those great things that I had at the time, um, treated everyone that way. And it's been a very interesting process because you really have so much more grace. You have so much more flow. Also, though, this is coupled with a few other pers perspectives as far as like what reality is and all sorts of things dive into this. Because then if you think of like the non-playable character or the simulation type of a thing, then it's all like digital people kind of, you know, in a, in a way is how it can be viewed. Um, then, then it's interesting to sort of say, well, what's empathy? You know, what is, what is empathy? If you know that it's all you or that it, nobody goes to hell, then why wouldn't we just run around just killing everybody, right? Um, and there, there's a level of emotional maturity that comes along with having a question like this. And so that's why it's usually only posed to those that are very ready to have it because it is a, it is an interesting study in the programming. And it's an interesting way of looking at how the program affects people's beliefs, which is everything, right? And your paradigm. And then I have a whole thing on beliefs too. I don't have a beliefs. So I have ideas because ideas are way easier to change. So if I don't anchor down in a belief, which I have very few, I can count my B words on like one hand, I mean, of things I absolutely believe. Um, and so with all of these things in play, then you're the only one here. If you look at it like that, again, then you're here to heal the parts of you that are in front of you. And whenever I started looking at this place as a mirror to me, and that I'm a mirror to the one that I'm in front of, meaning that 
whatever I'm intuitively called to say, I say it. And my friends, you know, and it's not always, <laughs> it's not always like, um, it's not mean. It's just not always um, like something you'd want to hear, I suppose. Like it's not, um, but it's never mean or malicious. And that's why it's received well, because it's honest, but also it's um, something that I know if I didn't say, then I would feel like someone would withhold from me as well. And so whenever I give advice or give answers like that, it's due to the fact that I desire to be that straightforwarded with in return, right? And so it's just a quid pro quo thing, but really it's again, not about that either. Really, it's just about who bringing a greater, grander version of who you really are. And this is another, this marries it all together with me, which is another Neil Donald Walsh thing out of that book. Everything you do here, everything you do, in my in my opinion, is to be a greater, grander version of who you are. Even all the way down to when you get cut off in traffic or something like that, um, you you can do whatever you want here, which is the truth. I I really do feel that way. Uh, but if if you take it up as an opportunity again to be a greater, grander version of yourself, whenever you whenever somebody cuts you off, there's a few options with this, right? You can be pissed, you can flip them off, you can fall into their house, you can do a bunch of things. But what I choose to do is take the pause, let them get over, give them plenty of room, right? I'd rather be alive than right any day, and that's fine. Uh, let them get over and um, then wish them consciousness and wish them on their way. Now, whenever I started doing this, I found that I just wasn't getting cut off. Uh, it's fascinating. My wife even remarked, you just don't get cut off. You know, it's fascinating. And it's really because I don't need to learn the lesson in that way, right? I've gotten empathy for that. It's checked off the list. It's not something that needs to keep occurring. You know, you take the training wheels off your bike long after you've you've done with that part of the lesson. So you don't need them anymore. It's deciduous. You just shed it. That's the other thing. A lot of folks um, around this place can get bogged down in the B word beliefs that they need to still carry the, around their um, their learning, you know, their growth, their uh, the times where they were doing, again, the best that they could with the information that they had at the time. I'll give you an example. AA is a great one of them. Uh, AA has helped a tremendous amount of people but one thing that's interesting to me, and I just find it interesting, is that um, you know they continue to encourage you to say, "I'm an, I'm blah blah blah, I'm an alcoholic for 30 years," right? Well, what that says, neurolinguistic program bells go off in me like crazy because you're not an alcoholic, you haven't had a drop in 30 years. So why would you continue to call yourself that to carry that bag around if you can just be deciduous and know that it was just a time period in which you lived your life and then shed it? Like you don't have to anchor yourself to that. And again, it. I just find these things within us, other unhealed versions of us, and just kind of go, hey, you don't have to carry that around. That's my main mission here. I've really found my calling, which is just to give people back to themselves because I'm giving me back to myself and doing so, again, because of the teachings, right? And I take myself up on that because I choose as a deliberate creator to be a greater, grander version of myself, <clears throat> excuse me, in every moment, in every opportunity. And uh, that's, that's what I really feel is the game here. You know, that's yeah. the game that's afoot. The yeah, game I, I, and how to play it. Yeah, a couple of things that you said. I've had a friend that's been, you know, inside AA for 40 years. He's been um, helping people. You know, first he started because he felt he had a problem and now he's been 40 years of helping people. And I had that, I have that argument with him, exactly what you said, because he's like, no, I have to believe that I'm still an alcoholic because if I don't believe it, then I'll drink. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I, and they're right. And they're Surely, right because of the they're belief. right because like, they believe it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Henry Ford. And it's so true because it's so basic. It's so simple. 
<clears throat> and again, to the neurolinguistic programming part of this, I'm huge into that. Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, it's got many facets to it. I know some people have explained it as muscle testing and things like that, which is a component. My main thing is how words come out of your mouth and how they affect the physiolog physiology of you and the room and everything around. And so it's fascinating, uh, you know, even with um, challenging things, like let's say just tact, for example, a wonderful quote that I heard uh, was Winston Churchill's take on tact. And that was that tact uh, is the ability to tell someone to go to hell in such a way to where they look forward to taking the journey. And one of the one of the things is, is that it's not about like banning people and everything, but it is about being mindfully aware of your speech and what it does to you. I'll give you a couple of examples. One of them would be this T word. I'm only going to say these universe right now. I'm, I'm out of my box. Uh, I'm only going to say any of these words for now for the sake of the argument that did not apply to my messaging and in, in life. And this is how adamant I am about this. I'm separating myself from the message of the spoken word I'm about to say here about this. Trying, sorry, looking for, gonna, going to, someday. Any of these things have such a massive, massive impact on you cellularly. I'll give you the sorry one as an example. Sorry is a beautiful mode of appreciation and step backedness that you have in humbling yourself whenever you've either done wrong rather maliciously or not probably usually it's not malicious it's just a habitual thing that constantly gets spoken into the vernacular so it's just a program and you're going to hear the program everywhere after I, after i explain this to you so the sorry word the s word um we just don't use in this house and the reason is is because every time you say i'm whatever you are declaring it as true for yourself. And so even though it's this habit, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, bump some bump into somebody at the store. Oh, I'm sorry. You you will hear it like parakeets all over the damn place now. And the thing about it is, is what you are really doing is you're not, in my mind, a body. Yeah, that's one way to look at you. But another way to be would be you're like this amazing Voltron of 75 trillion cells and all these incredible pieces of biology working together to make sure that you continue to exist and walk around because they're pretty fond of the experience as well. So if you, when you start to look at things like this, then what you're doing is you're telling all of those beautiful cells that only wanna do whatever you declare after I am, that's their job, that's their mission. And, and they do it incredibly well and to the letter, whatever that word is, make sure it's very, very mindful because they are listening always and they are accurate and wonderful at their job. They're experts at it. You will create the feeling of sorry within yourself if you continue to say it now. We give you the alternative because there are some times when, you know, maybe you feel that you should apologize and that's fine. I apologize. That's a very different thing. That comes from the place of what they've sold you. Sorry comes from, but it's the real place that doesn't do any cellular damage to you from my mind. Now I realize as well, I take these things on and because they're real for me, they're real for me. But what I hear in speech, especially I can feel the tone change in a in a sentence whenever a certain word gets implanted and especially a word that then leads to a vibe it it's like a it's like a song it stays in a particular key and then all of a sudden the key goes to minor and you can hear it and feel it and it just gets a little dissonant and you're just sitting here going hang on where where were you where was this confident amazing person because you said a word of the program and then two more followed and then you spiraled into this narrative this script and it's a fascinating thing to observe because then again, whenever you take out the word trying in your vocabulary, there's a beautiful meme about this. I'm not a triceratops, I'm a do-ceratops. And I love the shit out of that because it's number one, adorable. And number two, uh, it really gets to the point because if you say I'm trying to quit smoking, then you're absolutely right. You're 100% correct in that statement. You are actively trying to quit smoking. That is a statement and it's also a verb, which means it's action. So whatever verb that is, um, that it is. Now, if you say I'm quitting, 
Again, that's a verb. You're going to continue to do so. So what it is, is it's a declaration. It's a, it's a mindfulness of the speech patterns, first of all. And look a few of these up. Like I said, I've, I've just given you a few, but um, what, some of the more damaging ones, again, uh, sorry. Uh, there's just so damn many of them. And every time I hear them, I'm just like, oh, it sends a chill down my spine. I'm like, you don't mean that. You don't mean that. And I even have a thing. I'm not going to drop it on the show, but I have a sound effect. Uh, it's a queef, actually, on my board that if you talk shit about yourself on my show, it's called the queef of self-deprecation, and you get a splatter whenever you do it because it pattern interrupts you back to the state. It changes you from that minor to that major key, right? So, yeah, it it feels with the speech that so many people aren't aware of it, which is why I'm watch why I pointed out. I mean, then that's what's so important, right? You just once you're aware, you can't unsee it. So just like this, you're gonna hear yourself say sorry a few times, and maybe it'll stick with you that you're telling yourself that you're sorry and all 75 trillion cells that they're sorry and not doing a great job and should continue to disappoint you. Uh, and you'll get it. And same thing with the I'm sick word. Uh, sick is a word we don't say in our house. We're healing always. Like if, if you're got the sniffles, if you're going through a purge, if you're going through a toxic release from all the shit that's being dumped on, sprayed on, you're eating, all that kind of stuff, which happens usually around the winter time. It's kind of weird how we all go through that. They call it a flu season that is a virus associated with it. But perhaps it's you know more of a shedding that we all go through at this certain period of time, especially with the lack of light. Maybe it's a cyclical thing that us as a society built into this rigid model um, don't have the opportunity to take advantage of. And so when you start treating your life in these cycles, it's just interesting. So again, we don't say sick in this house because I'm detoxing. Sick. I'm that word. I am makes sick. It so yeah, okay. I always say I'm detoxing. I'm having a detox. Yeah, you know, years, years ago, I, I put on um, some events for a guy that came out from America. I can't remember what his name. It's over 20 years ago. And he was like a spiritual comedian he was hilarious you know he used to like talk about channeling the dolphin and anyway he was hilarious but we had this uh, event space and they kicked us out like like after a couple of hours so all these people were kicked out of this event space and I remember I was saying sorry to everybody sorry sorry mm -hmm. sorry and he said to me I'll never forget it I have attempted I have attempted I still use the sorry word I have to say but he said never say sorry to people and I said well, what would I say to them and he said Thank you for your understanding. Thank yeah. you for your patience. And I, yeah. it hit me like a brick and I'm like, wow, that's kind of, yeah, wow. Instead of deprecating myself, that's making these people like, you're amazing for putting up with this. And instead of saying, sorry, sorry, it's like, you're amazing for putting up with this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, it's so deep. And thank you for sharing that uh, because it's so deep. It really is because number one, you don't have anything to be sorry for. And whenever I point this out, cause I'm, I'm I'll say this to strangers, you know, I'm like, why'd you say that? You don't have anything to be sorry for. And they'll pause. They're like, yeah, why did I say that? You know, again, it's the program and it keeps 75 trillion of your cells convinced that that's the way they should operate. And I'm grateful that he said that because yes, feel the difference in it saying I'm sorry versus thank you for your understanding. There's a difference. It's a lightness to it. It You can, and even I apologize. That's still kind of putting a, I don't know, a responsibility on you for something that was out of your control clearly, but thank you for your understanding means, hey, thanks for also understanding that it's not in my control, but also being a human being and not, um, you know, reacting in a certain way. And so, you know, that uh, it's a, it's alchemy is what it is. And that's what's so important about this. And that's what the grabbing of those words and ideas before they enter and be plant become seeds. And then also as they exit your mouth to make sure that the seeds that you plant are what you really want to sow. 
And it's just the most important thing to me. It's been fundamental right there along with figuring out how I think um, because they are what led me to my relationship with me. And that's been the biggest change ever, ever. Years ago, uh, we were in New Zealand visiting a relative who since passed. She was in her 90s and she used to use the hate word all the time. And my husband mm. at the time God, that's another one. said to her, like, I hate, you mm. know, I hate something. I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. And he said to her, he pulled her up on it. She never forgot it. And he said, why do you use the hate word? You should never use the hate word. So here's this woman in her 90s who's well and truly programmed who didn't think there was anything wrong with saying that she hated something. And she never forgot it for the rest of her life, which was probably how many, you know, probably not so long, maybe 10 years. How old was she when she died? Anyway, yeah, the hate word. She never was, he able to treat, was he able to train that dog new tricks? Yeah, she, he just said. She just. That word is such it. a powerful word. You don't really hate. Like hate is such a powerful energy. Yeah. You think about what happens when you hate. And you don't really hate this food or hate it, you know, when someone cuts you off in traffic or hate. You don't really hate that. Like are you, do you want to keep saying that? Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. she really pulled herself up on it. And it made me think too, how often do I use the hate word? Yeah, we are totally unconscious in our programming of our speech really and what it means. But if you're conscious and you use a word, you can use words like hate and sick and stuff, depending on what they mean for you, because, you know, like language is changing all the time. And so sick to some person yeah. is malaise and gnarly. sick yeah, means gnarly or fantastic, yeah. you know, oh, like bro, that's sick, bro. That's sick. That's yeah. super sick. Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's word with intent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And getting back to the oneness thing that you were talking about, you're in the room to heal the room. The only reason you're in the room I think that the healing of the room is not so much like I need to change you because you're not well. It's like that Hopa Ono Ono thing. I think this is, this is what God through Neil Donald Walsh was getting at. It's like healing the room says that when I bump up against something that looks like unpleasant or someone's upset or someone's sick or someone's angry, the healing occurs in you. Like this is the Hopa Ono Ono, like you heal that aspect of you. It's been presented to you through another aspect of you called the other. And it's showing you something about you that, he, and so as you heal it in yourself, you heal it in the other because that relationship you're having with that person is that relationship with you, right? How did you action that in your life? The mirror to you thing. It really happened in an interesting example, actually, that I can give you right here. There is an episode, uh, two episodes, actually, and I'm going to pull this up as I say it. So I got hit to the idea that you're a mirror to yourself, uh, probably, God, year and a half ago, something like that. And I was sitting there thinking about it. And I was just like, uh, well, that's an interesting concept. You know, what does this mean? And so I really started diving into the what the hell does a mirror to you mean? Because I was like, again, like, what is this thing talking about? I got the greatest example of it ever. And it wasn't in the form of someone like in the physical doing anything at all. It was actually in the form of um, a comment through uh, what I would call an unhealed version of ourselves is what I came to discover it as later on. But it was not until later that I actually figured that out. So with this, I got to the point with the mirror to you concept that it was just like, it had been in my face the entire time. Because again, if you're looking at this place as um, as a mirror to you in the sense that you're everyone here, 
then whenever you look at anyone there that pisses you off, then you don't want to identify them. You're just like, what the hell is this person's problem? Uh, there's no way that this could be another representative of me because I, don't, I would never do this or whatever it is. It's deep in you somewhere. And it's a fascinating study of the idea of, okay, well, if it's all manifested here in front of me, it's not just your actions. It's your thoughts as well. There was a gentleman that I had on the show, and his name is Peter Shampoo, but the way that his name is spelt, it was like Shampro. And so to me, it looked like it just looked, it looked like Shampro to me. I mispronounced the hell out of it in the episode. And then I emailed the guy as the episode was coming out. And I said, Hey, dude, you know, I apologize. I love the hell out of you. You're amazing, but I mispronounced your name. It went, it, I missed it in the edit. There's, it's too late to catch it, whatever. And I couldn't have anyway. I don't edit content anyhow. I was just like, look, it won't be edited out. It goes out, but I just wanted to let you know I have nothing but respect for you. I did not mean to mispronounce your name and all this stuff. Now, it's the only thing that was on my mind was I mispronounced this dude's name and holy shit and what the hell. I'd listened to a bunch of episodes, <clears throat> a few rather, from other people who'd interviewed him. They pronounced it differently, so I was like, shit, I don't have a reference point, whatever. And he never corrected any of them either. So again, it was this whole thing. I'm, and, and still, I can recall the thought process to it, even though I've well detached from it, but it's so important for the example. So... The episode comes out, and again, this is his name right here, Peter Shampoo, C-H-A-M-P-O-U-X. Now, he had emailed me before the episode had even came out. Uh, the night before, as I emailed him, sent him links and all that stuff, he emailed me um, that night and said, dude, no worries at all. Thank you so much for the great time. Everything was awesome. People mispronounce my name constantly. Again, that's why he sat, sat, sat through in a million interviews, right? I didn't even think twice about it. He goes, my name's hard to pronounce in English anyway. Was super like overly sweet about it, right? Yeah. So I was just like, okay, well then awesome. But I, it was still on my mind. Now, again, this is where the mirror of the universe popped up to me is in the comment section. So as you can see, uh, I do not delete comments and I do not ban people. I, so y'all can go do whatever you want. This was one year ago. And this is what it said. Peter Slavin is his name. He said, I think pronouncing the guest name incorrectly over and over largely negates the laid on thick flattery. You do an author no favors if listeners are left not knowing his name. Uh, it's not as if it is difficult for an Amer American to pronounce correctly. Just say shampoo and you'll be close enough. And shampoo actually says it himself near the beginning of the interview. So what I'd like to point out here is that there are, and Karin knows this, there is a lot of things on our minds as content creators when we release an episode or when we do something. Like, is this light on back here in the back? You know, is, um, did I have some, an old pair of underwear laying back here, right? Does the audio quality sound good? Is the lighting cool? Whatever, right? Did I edit things correctly? You know, as far as uh, quality and whatever, there's a lot of things on our mind. I had only one on my mind for this episode and it was pronouncing the guy's name wrong. Now, out of all the other amazing, wonderful comments that are here, all of them liked, loved, everything like that. This one popped in and it only popped in because this is when I discovered the mirror to you. And here's the example of it in my reality. This is the only thing on my mind. And the first, uh, let's say, bad comment that I've ever gotten was right here. Uh -huh. And it was one that I preferred not, right, right, is what I would say. Now, another thing I want to show to this, though, is this kind of energy. Um, it's going to be left here because this is an unhealed version of us in my mind that had something to say that felt like that this was something that he wanted to say. And I don't delete comments because you get a voice here. Uh, there's re there's obvious uh, boundaries within that, but this one only would have been taken down for the sake of my ego. And so pass on that, right? Leave this man, let him have his voice. So with that though, my audience knows not even to engage in it. No one disliked, 
no one liked, no one commented like, get fucked or whatever, because my audience knows I don't need to be protected. And that if there was no comment by me, there was obviously a reason. And yeah. I don't put out the vibe like I need to be defended or jumped in for. So people don't do it. Yeah. Now, to this point, I sat with that. And I really sat with that. And it wasn't until 14 episodes later, Stuart Pierce, episode 112, The Alchemy of Voice. This guy's awesome, by the way. Um, there was a comment on here 14 episodes later by Mr. Peter Slavin coming back again. So number one, he didn't leave. He came back. He remained a listener. Yeah. And number two, on this episode, by the way, with um, Stuart, I'm talking about this comment and saying, hey, I figured out the universe is a mirror. Hey, it's all good. I don't remember the exact words. But anyway, here's the comment by Mr. Peter Slavin on that episode when I talk about it 14 episodes later. Lovely interview with a beautiful soul, but I'm writing to apologize from the bottom of my heart for the meanness of my comment about wow. the pronunciation of Peter Shampoo's name. Its harshness was a product of my own despair and self-doubt, and the com comment did not reflect my larger opinion of this podcast and the host's efforts, which I regard as, in many ways, the best in the space. Wow. I'm, so I am very glad that my poison was transmuted into a tonic, which is just another sign of the remarkably and uh, uniquely wonderful qualities the host brings. Wow. Right on my, he's very articulate. On my he's incredibly Slavin. articulate. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure he's a writer because he defended um, the author's name in the first thing. Remember, I'm just yeah. kind of getting clues. Uh, I commented back something just like something sweet. Um, I hadn't heard back from him. Um, yeah. I would love, though, for this to be like a TED talk and fly him out and give him a jetpack or something on stage but um and as you can see here again the energy is here so the energy got responded yeah. to in the way that the energy gets bunch of loves a, wow. bunch of likes that's a perfect example of instead of fixing him just fix your response or or heal the response in you how do i feel about that um oh, hang on let me put myself back on screen where am i I've lost myself. There I, am. there I am. Yeah. How do I feel about that? How I, how can I heal that myself? And when you do it in yourself, it has an incredible impact on the other. It's not like you said anything to him. That's a perfect example. It's yeah. a perfect example. Yeah. <clears throat> and he can, it'll sit there and it'll be there forever. Um, it, it's, I have no reason again, other than my ego sitting there going like, Oh, I don't care for that. Um, it's not, it doesn't do me any good to the unhealed version of me because again, that's him. That's, that's me uh, saying yeah. those things because I'm hurt in some way. And by leaving it and by giving it the attention I did on Stuart's episode, which was just simply to say, dude, I love that guy. Like, thank you for that. I, It gave me the biggest view, the biggest window into that idea that I've ever gotten. And I don't know if I would have seen it that way had it not been for him. And I thanked him for that on that episode. And so for him to write back, think of the vulnerability on his part. Yeah. Think of like that he didn't have to do that shit. You know, he didn't have to say any, he could have drifted off into the night. He's not some troll. He came back and he owned up and we embrace him for that. And so it is this beautiful thing. I, I really am proud of that. And being the example I have for showing me that the universe is a mirror, I will one up you with this uh, conversation because, again, this was a year ago. I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> More recently, I've been thinking about the whole idea of outside you and not you and alignment and um, all of these things. And so whenever I started thinking about manifestation, um, there was a time period last summer, which it got it got pretty dark for me, darling. Um, it, it got really dark. So in that time, I really went within uh, as I had nowhere else to go. And it was this time period where I figured out my relationship with me or the beginnings of it. And that's where I formed my thought ninja. And that's that's the whole thing. And it's amazing. And uh, he monitors my thoughts. He like cuts out the toxic shit. So um, 
it and it it's through that process that I uh, started discovering my relationship to those what I call around me, but I really look at it differently. One of the lenses I view this place in is again that it's all you out here. Uh, not married to this idea, but it's one of my more favorites. So that's that's one that I lean to a little bit more because I've gotten better results with that um, for me for my health. So. Whenever I looked at this, what I started to do was find things, let's say, in my wife that I wasn't a big fan of. And then what mm -hmm. I did was is I uh, you're never going to change that person. So what I did was I, I stopped thinking of it in that way. I stopped um, perpetuating it in me. Yeah, I started doing the like, no, 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 she does this and she's the perfect dad. I, I'm grateful for my perfect wife, perfect wife. Like I write this in my journal. And what I was really doing was aligning myself to to be ready to be the perfect version of what I kept writing about, my perfect wife, my perfect wife, right? And to be able to be the match for that. It's not that she was doing anything wrong. It's that I, as the echo of my reality, I was doing her a disservice by thinking of her the way that I was because of what I felt was her ex external actions, but really they were being generated by the way I was thinking. So yeah. I wrote a different script for my wife. I said, she's the most powerful, most amazing, most intelligent, most honor shit, most incredible, like this amazing thing. And I'll be good. God damn, Karen, if I woke up one morning and that woman wasn't standing in the kitchen uh, doing everything that I had on that list, everything. And it yeah. was since that switch, I had changed the way I thought about her. So again, the Wayne, Dwayne Dyer thing, when you change the way you look at things, the way the things, things you look at change. change. And mm -hmm. so what I did was literally write new scripts for everyone in my life. My mom absolutely never calls with anything that I'm going to eye roll about because I caught myself doing that when she'd called, ah, oh, shit, eye roll was, <laughs> you know, was a story I've heard of five times. I don't do that. She's always got something new to say, some new awareness. She's doing mm -hmm. wonderful. And she's on her highest timeline uh, in her deepest desires and ultimate fulfillment every time before I answer the phone. And guess what? We haven't had an argument in a long damn time. She's doing wonderful not long after that, by the way, she supported the show. She never supported the show. It's, it took a little over two years for her to say anything about it. But again, wow. it's because I was writing the script that she wouldn't support the show. When I right. changed my relationship, she did a post, like did all this shit. Um, I don't even use my real last name on the show because of it. I separated it out from the family. So it's my thing, right? It's just my middle name. So the whole thing was, is I, and then my wife and I did this together. I pointed it out to her. I said, Hey, what do you think about this change in scripts thing? She loved it. We did it for her mom because again, my mother-in-law and her same thing. She, which we have more reasons to eye roll when that phone rings from that woman than any other character in our reality. But we changed the narrative. We wrote a different script for her uh -huh. whenever she would write the way I pictured it was, it's like, if you can think about this character of you out there, that is sitting there going, okay, great. I'm going to have this interaction. And it's all based on what they think of me and feel of me and believe in me. Okay, got it. And then as they're calling, when we answer, she's getting a text of like, or the script of what she's going to be, what character she's going to show up for us as, that we're sending her the message because of our thoughts and the way that we feel about her. And then she's sitting here looking at it going, ah, oh, shit. God, they keep eye rolling. They think I'm all screwed up. Okay, I'll play this part. And she calls it. It was drama and it was yelling and it was dumb stuff. And it was this part, again, this role that we continued to cast her in. Yeah. But how much of a disservice was that for us to do for that character, for that unhealed version of us in our lives? Are we here to heal or are we not? So doing that in every way, I meditate for for the betterment of everyone, everyone out here, everyone, lizard turds and all are doing the best they can with the information they have at the time. Everyone is on their highest timeline and their deepest desires and ultimate fulfillment. And everyone is only moving forward into the greatest, grandest version of themselves, always in my mind. Those are the only characters that pop up in my life. 
those are the only people that I interact with. And this is why I'm a magnet for incredible people because I have to be, there's that I demand it. This is the only vibrational standard I have for my life. And that's it. Well, darling one, that's how you change the world. That's how you change. You do it by changing you. Yes. Yeah. That is how you do it. You figure out your about changing your opinion about it. Absolutely. Byron Katie says it beautifully. He says, no two people ever meet. You only meet your ideas about them. Ooh. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Damn. Damn. And and it's beautiful too, because really the way I see it also is like, they're just the other part of you mapping another part of consciousness with their feelings, their actions, their thoughts, their ideas, everything that they're doing. And they're doing it through a fog of delusion. Because yeah, this was claimed, this age is titled to be the age of information, but really it's the age of a delusion and illusion. And so to be able to see through that and to sift through that fog and to be a clear beacon, that's really what the goal is here. And that's what we do when we strengthen ourselves with these kinds of conversations and those types of awarenesses. And that's how you clear the fog is because you're able to sit there and say, hang on, it doesn't need to be like this because, and and this is why I detach myself from um, emotionally investing in conspiracy, uh, in conspiracies at all. I haven't been a conspiracy theorist in uh, like 10 years, probably. I detach myself emotionally from it. Now, mentally, I'm very aware of what's going on. I'm very aware and sovereign. I'm on my own. I can take care of myself. I am a warrior in a garden, uh, not a gardener in a war. So I'm very aware of that because I've gone through that. You know, the truth will set you free, but first it's, it'll piss you off. And I was in a scared place in that fourth dimension. Got to wake everybody up. Neo just popping out of the thing for a long time. But what that got for me was a very toxic environment and a bunch of people that didn't want to talk to me about it because of the way it was being approached. So whether your information is correct or not, if you're coming at it from that I say fourth D energy, but really from it, it's from a place of like, you have information, but you're too scared to know what to do with it. And you just want everybody else to know it so that you can all group together and figure out how to solve it together, which there's power in that. But really what's occurring is it's perpetuating. You're feeding in the way I see it. I'm not declaring things as fact. It's just my perception. The, what <laughs> I feel you're doing is feeding into this system that just demands your attention. It's the old story of the grandfather and the grandson sitting there seeing two wolves, one named love and one named fear. And the grandson asks his grandfather, which one grows? And the grandfather says, whichever one you feed. So if you're feeding the narrative by stating things, even as fact, even if they're absolutely chemtrails are happening, okay. But when you, there's a way to talk about it that will get people attracted to your information and make real change that is seen from within yourself on how to do that. And then there's another way of just scaring the shit out of a bunch of people and alienating yourself from your family and friends and then feeling vindicated in that people would tell you that it was going to be that way. And it doesn't need to be, you know, um, I'm a conspiracy analyst. Like I will look at it like a motherfucker, but I don't take it on emotionally. I don't feel responsible for anyone's karma or for changing anything other than me. And that's all I can do. And I found the biggest results in the reality I live in when just going with that model because it cleared the fuzz out. It cleared the delusion out, the, the the noise out there, the distortions that were yelling at me. Because those things, once I was able to tune those out, there's a voice inside you constantly. And it's always got the dopest shit to say to you, but you've got to clear out all the other stuff so you can hear it. It's just quieter than everything else. And that's why everything out there is, in my opinion, so loud and needs your attention all the time because it's got to feed off of you to survive. So all you do is just unplug, you know, remove your energy from it. Um, Rather it's going on or not, which you can't prove, um, which is the other real crux to this is that you can't prove any of that shit's going on. You're seeing it through a box, you know. Um, It's always got the dopest shit to tell you (laughs) It does. My, higher, my higher self has always got that. the dopest shit to tell you. It's always got the dopest <laughs> shit to tell you, dude. 
I wish I yeah. could remember. I love this quote from Paul Selleck, the guides from Paul Selleck, who's another sort of, I guess he's the he's the next version of the Conversation with God books um, and he's doing great guns. Have you had Paul on your show? I've not, but I'm now curious to see if he's got as good of a mustache as Tom Selleck. Any relation? No. Think of Tom Selleck <laughs> no. What's his name, Paul Selleck? Paul Selleck. Yeah. To see the divine and everything you see transforms mm. it. To see the divine. So instead of seeing like, the corruption and the this and the that as evil and, you know, judging it as evil and the devil and blah, 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 to see the divine in it. Like you can look at everything through divine eyes, everything. I was thinking about this at the beginning of our conversation, actually. I've been watching a lot of period stuff on streaming networks and um, and going into like the First World War and the Second World War and even before that 17th century. It's so interesting because as I watch it, I'm looking for the divine in it. So the the critical me says, Ah, bloody humans! All they want to do is fight each other and kill each other in wars, <laughs> and then the That's dope shit. And then the dope shit that came from. Myself <laughs> there you go. <laughs> said to it's me, always got dope shit to say. <laughs> so the class system before the First World War was so extreme. Like as you watch, period, you only see two classes: upper class and lower class. There's no middle class. And when you put a whole bunch of people in war, you level the playing field in the class system. And that's what the dope shit said to me. It said, the First World War changed the class system across the world because it leveled it. And I'm like, wow, it really did, right? Yeah. And so you can see the divine working in the chaos. Yeah. And the Second World War had, yeah. Mm -hmm. Second World War then gave us Nazis, um, which then gave us uh, Operation Paperclip, which then infiltrated over into the U.S. and then everywhere because they just, you know, escaped to Argentina, allegedly. And then uh, so whenever that happened, that then spawned this huge propaganda machine that then took, you know, a little over 60 years to bloom into something called covid and then that was actually, in my mind, a huge cue for the conscious awakening. That was the biggest. Yeah, huge. I mean, lockdown was shadow work. Everybody went home and dealt with they shit. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, you were forced to listen to what the dope shit had to say and uh, or numb it out with alcohol, which was also encouraged by the system. So, again, it's interesting because to you as well, I alchemize the shit out of that. I, I say lizard turds uh, very endearingly. Um, because even though they are turds, not all lizard people are turds, but lizard turds, and we know who I'm talking about, you know, there's, there's this control, uh, uh, perception management type of thing going on. And the more I hear about, I had a friend call yesterday, actually, and I am so far removed from the world. It's so funny because he was telling me about stuff going on and I'm just blown away by this shit. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was the craziest stuff about like, um, just po politics and, uh, all kinds of shit. I was just like, oh my God, I'm just so far removed from it that as he was saying it, I'm just like, this is what it's doing. And I'm smiling because I'm thanking it for being so damn ridiculous because yeah. this is the thing. I look at it as it's supposed to be so stupid and horrific and horrible that you choose to do your own thing and escape from it. And right. not escape as in like we have to flee, but as in just remove your energy. That's all it is. It's a simple just no thank you. No yeah. is a complete sentence, everyone. I'll give you permission to do that. Um, no. That's it. Abstain. Um, emancipate yourself from that. And that's all it is. It's not also going and living in the woods. There's plenty of technology. There's plenty of things here that we can do. It What it is, is, is it's following that gut instinct and that whenever you see a neighbor getting the shit kicked out of them, like do something about it. Whenever you feel that your family is in danger from your own alcoholism, do something about that. Whenever you're, whenever you find yourself yelling at the TV more than taking your kid out to a waterfall or fishing or something, do something about that, right? 
So there's all these little actionable things that that we can do to rise above this shit, but it is simply, again, just to remove your energy from it. And again, I think that it's being so stupid and so dumb on purpose. It's like, I view this place as a play. Pat Mahan and I have talked about it. Dolores Cannon had this idea as well, that it's really just a play, you know? Um, and there are many uh, reasons I you know, think this way or feel this way, but one of the one of the reasons I'm saying this is because even the lizard turds, right? All the people that are instigating all the stuff, doing whatever you don't care for, they're actors in the same play that we're all playing in, right? And yeah. and it's a game, but it's it's a, it's only a game in that way and scary in that way because it's being taken seriously. And it's also because there's been a, such an abstention from heart-centeredness that it's really swung the pendulum to such a far reach, which again has its value because it allows us to find that midpoint, right? Yeah. You're too over here. You're too in the feminine in some ways. You're too in the masculine in some ways, which we have been for the past however many hundred, hundred so years. Then uh, you have this now balancing pendulum point, this middle path. You know, the tree of life has the two outer sides. The middle strand is the one that continues to infinity on either side, right? So that's the path, that middle path, this balance of energies. So when you look at things again, like the 2020 or like any of that kind of shit, it's the actors going, okay, cool. And then they come out from behind the stage with this new play to get people to get their shit together. But they're just sitting there eating popcorn and bonbons on the on the couch, like flipping between that and the Kardashians. And they're sitting here going, oh man, look how crazy this is. It's just like Kardashian, this is wild. And then they keep voting and engaging and, and doing all of this stuff. And they're, the lizard turds then go behind the cameras and they're just like, no, they haven't woken up yet. I don't know what else to do. What? That? No, we're not doing that. That's too crazy. Okay, we'll try it. Then they put on a suit and they go out there and then they roll out the next whatever the fuck. And it's crazier. And it keeps getting so because there's a level of just get your shit togetherness that we can all achieve here. And it's simply by the understanding of what's going on. And then it's an energetic system. And that if you don't care for something, remove your energy from it. And that is the best way to do it. Bitching about it. Um, all of those things only feed it and give it more power. So if you're tired of the fear wolf, then feed the one that's love. Go clean out your garage. There's plenty of things at home that you can do to cleanse your own space and to cleanse you and to tend your own garden, which is honestly where the magic, that's where the magic lies, dude. That's whenever I went within, and again, this was a dark, dark time for me last summer. I was eyeing a pistol. I mean, it was, it was really, really bad. And whenever I shut everything out, went within and sat with myself for about three months and all I did was journal and, and mope and get my shit figured out that's when it became so apparent and that's when that little voice was like hey dope shit to tell you been here the whole time welcome to it glad you finally turned the noise down out there it was noisy huh dope shit and i was just Came like forward. wow and it was it's been now such a clear guiding it is the fader on my mixing board of my mind that i turn up the loudest it is one that's easy to access now it's right there and it just took shutting everything out for a little while and going with it. And that's it. Yeah. I changed my morning routine. Like my, I've got a whole thing that I did and I can only articulate what I've done to get there. But um, it's changed my life, changed my life more than even that time period earlier. But yeah. I needed that time period to get to this one. So yeah, all perfect and beautiful. Oh, well, I just looked at the time. We've been yakking for ages, but um, mm. I, I wanted to ask you, I haven't even asked half the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, well, let me you know, let me answer it before you ask. No, your... I haven't seen if there's any other things um, as far as like for dogs that you can put over their buttholes, <laughs> but I'm sure that I'll find something and send it to you. In, the, in your uh, bio, what does it say? Oh, insatiable curiosity. You know, uh, what? one of the questions is, why did you start, what, why did you start the podcast show? And and I speak to so many people who want to start podcast shows and they want to start podcast shows because they're spiritual teachers and they want to get 
you know, their work out there. So they think they'll interview other people, which is actually what I did 14 years ago. But my insatiable curiosity took over and um, that became more important than me talking about the stuff I talk about now. You have to listen to me because I'm a spiritual teacher. And I think that boundless curiosity you say here, I think that is the key ingredients to being a podcaster is having that boundless curiosity. Like, is that why you started your show? Uh, it is. And I didn't have anything to sell. I did, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I will never claim to be a guru. My God, af- absolutely not. And even in that sense, like I didn't have a book out or anything like that. We, I had a list. Um, so yeah, the whole story with the podcasting was about four years ago. I didn't even know what podcasts were. My wife and I were taking her car to the store one, one day and we lived like 15 minutes out, outside of town to our closest grocery store. So we had, we had some time. So she's listening. I'm listening to these three dudes just talk. And I was like, what the hell is this? You know, it's not what music, it wasn't anything. It was just a conversation. I was like, what is this shit? She's like, it's a podcast. And I was like, what the fuck is a podcast? So I absorbed this show. It's called Last Podcast on the Left. It's amazing. We went and even saw them live in Dallas and I read a t-shirt of them and everything. It's cool. So uh, from there, I was just so inspired. I was like, hang on, you can just do this and just get a microphone and do this. So I was had to start our own show. So we did. Um, 2019, we started our own show and it's called The Up and Adam Experiment. And it was about um, a buddy of mine and I, he was Christian, um, Mary and I or whatever we are. And then we have another friend of ours that's atheist. So we had a Christian and atheist and then whatever Mary and I are. And um, we all got together to have a conversation about stuff. And we did about 50 episodes and it was cool. But during that time period, I kept like, I would, you know, bring up all these amazing stories about UFOs and about all kinds of shit and want to talk about that kind of stuff. And they were just not into it. My wife was, but they just weren't. And it's fine. So 2020 hit and everything just kind of went, you know, uh, faded away. Like they weren't able to get over because of the thing and podcast, whatever. So we just kind of stopped doing it. I was going through a rebranding phase with myself anyway. I was like, you know, I really am into this UFO stuff and I'm really going to take the show that direction. Now, if they want to do it, maybe I'll even do a totally different one. So I started shopping. I had a whole list of names, like alternate perspectives and expand dead reality. No, 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 expand ding because I want the verb, right? So I had this whole thing going with it. And then um, I invited everyone back to do the new show in which I had also been halfway through the first show. I'd started a list in a green spiral notebook, which I still have of like all these names of these UFO authors. That was really the thing. I wanted to get UFO people on. Like I'd listened to Coast to Coast religiously for like 20 years and I'm just like, oh my God. And so uh, that was my big thing is I wanted it to be sort of like a Coast to Coast thing where I could just talk to these people who had heard speak about stuff and ask them questions that I hadn't heard them ask or ask them about updates on stuff, right? So really that's where it started, this boundless curiosity just to talk to folks like that. And then it just turned into this huge, amazing, um, massive thing that I, you know, couldn't have predicted. Now it's way bigger than than me, and I'm just along for the ride, and have been just a blast with it, uh, just out of the way and and hanging on. It's just been awesome. So that's uh, really how it started with just UFO folks, and I've had so many of them on the show, and it's funny too because I'll flip through that notebook every now and then, and I'll be like, holy shit! And I've had like 15 of them on in the you know time, and I haven't looked at that notebook in a long time. So I'll go through and cross them off. I'm like, yeah. And then add another one. I have Kathleen Martin coming back on next month and she's yeah, great. Yeah, she's awesome. I had Kathleen on years ago. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's great to catch up with people when you've had them on years ago. Yeah. Kathleen's wonderful. Have you had Susie Hansen on? I have not. Yeah. New Zealand uh, UFO contactee. Uh, she actually started a whole lot of groups in, you know, anyway, I'll, I'll introduce you. Please. Yeah, so UFO. So before we go, where do you think we're headed uh, in our future? Like what timeline are you on anyway? So 
you're talking about all this UFO stuff, UAP stuff, expanding consciousness, higher consciousness, star nation people, different quantum physics. You're talking about a whole lot of stuff. How how do you think everything that you're talking about looks in a future reality? Yeah, so the show started as UFOs and stuff like that, but again, expanding is really the point. And so the tagline for the show is and has been um, the expansion of consciousness cleverly disguised as a podcast. And so the whole point of it really now, and I understand it, is to uh, encourage critical thinking. And with critical thinking, we can expand our our idea of what's possible and possibilities. And with yeah. this, I'm a perception whore. I am so into like your reticular activating system and uh, the double slit experiment, the placebo effect, and like so many things about how manipulatable this and subjective this reality is. So I even have, you know, strong thoughts about consensus reality in a solipsism sort of way. And uh, the, like, you're probably the only one here in a, in a way more literal way than you think. And that maybe your reality ends at like your fingertips, you know, where your hand ends, that's where your reality is as far as you can extend it like the Vitruvian man and everything else is just simulated vastness and all that can just be, you know, an association or an apprehension rather of your perception. Uh, perception. So if with all of those things factored in, then you would say like, okay, well, you know, where do, where do you fit into all this? And really where I am with all of this stuff is again, there's a lot of noise going on out there. So if you're in comparison mode, which one of the greatest mantras uh, I've adopted is comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, I've, comparison curse is dead within me that has been one of the best things ever is to not you know look at everyone else in a reactionary sort of way to say okay well how should i be going with the school right and going with the tide because that's a it's a dryer it's like a washing machine right the only way out is to get like actually out and to actually withdraw to create your own thing i I truly firmly believe and i'm going to drop a b word in here it's that important that we are deliberate creators uh, and that we are here to actually create something based on the templates. You know, like when you get a website, you don't go with the template. Uh, you create your own thing. That's just there for you to start off of, right? Just like with this whole like Great Reset, this Klaus Anel Schwab and all this kind of stuff. A lot of people are scared and gearing up with guns and all that. It's just an option of experience in my opinion. So it's yeah. not an inevitability. Inevitability is whatever you create. Yeah. This is why like if you're encouraged to do that. And so this is what I encourage people. This is why also my core mission is to give people back to themselves because from that core mission, we can then establish who you really are, get your relationship with you. And that's when you're powerful. That's when you actually step out of the role of the character you've been playing and realize you're the actor that was playing the character. And yeah. it's a very different game after that. Very different. Ah, and you say you're not a teacher. <laughs> I'm a teacher. I'm not a guru. You're that a is te- very different. Well, actually, I'm the word, all day. The word guru means teacher, in fact. Mm, yeah, yeah it has a different energy to it for me. Yeah, so it does. I'm going to say, and maybe that's an ignorance on my part. That's yeah. actually an ignorance on my part, but the word guru means something different to me. So yeah. I will say I'm an absolutely a teacher, and I'll be a lighthouse here, and I'll keep that light burning as bright as I can. That's my job. Love <laughs> to y'all to find it. Oh, darling one, you're just the best. I think you're fabulous. Yeah, I mean, that's why I keep doing the show. It's um, not to promote people's other people's work or their website, or it's just to have that expanding consciousness. Like I think that when two teachers come together and have a conversation on a podcast show, it exponentially expands the consciousness. It's not like you you throw questions at people, and I and I see you do the same thing. It's like you don't sit back and just throw questions you put your experience into it and then, you know, through your experience, you have these other things to talk about and uh, it just expands consciousness when to consciousnesses that 
like that come together. It's just fantastic. But tell people what you're doing on the Conscious Awakening Network. Yeah, I will after I say that you are why we're able to have such an outstanding conversation is because of how great you are at this and how wonderful and intuitive you are as a person, but also how great you are at this as a craft because you're so comfortable with it. Uh, that you make us feel comfortable. And in so we get to just have a connection and have a conversation, which is well, that's where the magic happens. And you're um, intuitive. You listen incredibly well. You pay attention to what's going on. You ask incredible questions and then you give us the space to answer them in whatever way we feel we need to. <laughs> so I'm going to say thank you um, for this, for facilitating this. And your audience should know it, but how fortunate they are to have you. Oh, so the. Well. Yeah, Conscious Awakening Network. We're going to be doing a Friday night thing from 8 to 10 Central Time US. Uh, that's 7 to 9 Mountain, 4 to 6 Pacific. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, it's a blending of the two sort of ideals. So I'm taking, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of expanding reality stuff over on the Conscious Awakening Network, but it's going to be something totally different. So it's going to be called Expanding Awakening, and it is a two-hour block, like I said, from 8 to 10 uh, p.m. Uh, Central Time that we're going to go live. We're going to do all sorts of cool stuff. First episode is June 16th, and that is going to be with Amy Belair. Oh, my God. She's incredible. It's going to be cool. we got a couple of surprises coming in because that's just how I roll. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we've got it booked up through. We've got Pat Mahan coming on. We've got uh, Christopher the Astro Medium is going to come in. Beck Mylonis is coming in. Uh, Mary Buckingham is already booked to come on. So we have just a series of incredible guests coming on, and it's just going to be a badass time. Um, plus, like I said, some amazing surprises. So make sure that you all tune in. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a badass time. So the Conscious Awakening Network is on. You can find it on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. You can find it on the Conscious Awakening Network. And they've also got, you know, social media and it's on pretty much. They're doing the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah, they're doing the hell out of it. It's on many audio podcasts and obviously on YouTube. I think that, I don't know, um, at a meeting the other day. I don't know if it's on other platforms. You know, I'm putting my show on many different platforms because the major platform, you know, doesn't always like the conversations I have. And so have I'm you looking- found that? I'm gonna help you with this. Write a different script for it. Well everything in your life. Everything in your I life. I have actually written a different script for it. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right about that. Just you're right I'm about telling that. you, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And and only because I felt the energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is my this is another one of my gifts I'm really tuning into. And so thank you for allowing me to harbor this. I felt the energy. It, it dropped down to a minor key when you said it. I'm sure audience, somebody out there felt it too. Write in if you did, by the way, to confirm this for me. But I know I felt it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it just it changed in a sense of that it wasn't you anymore. It was something that um, it was the program because that's an automated response for us content cre- creators to say, oh, I'm, I'm shadow banned. I am not shadow banned at all. And so therefore I'm not. You know what I mean? I don't even believe in the concept. I think yeah. that if you believe in that concept, sure. You're going to experience something like that. I don't. And we're doing great. We're doing fine. And we, by that metric, we should have been taken down a long time ago, but we're not. It's not something I subscribe to. So therefore, I'm going to empower you and other content creators out there to write a different script for all the things that you're engaged in. Yeah. Well, one of my shows came down recently and we had a almost two hour conversation about all that stuff that you and I've been talking about in many ways. And there was just like one sentence that he said that took it, that they took it down. And that was just about the way that um, pharmaceutical drugs do their business. Like that was it. And I was shocked. And I've seen so many other conversations up on that platform that are much mm-hmm. more engaged in that. And they're still up. And I was kind Mine's of shocked. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. Talk about all kinds of shit, but I don't believe in shadow banning. I don't. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a bunch of shit pulled down or uh, two or three videos pulled down 
from YouTube a while back and I started to like too hot for YouTube channel on my website. It was really cool. You know, it had right. flames on it and shit. But <laughs> uh, now I just, there are things that I won't put there if I, you know, just for the sake of it, but also it's great for your website, really. Um, there was a episode I had on about the organ harvesting in China. And so that one I just didn't put on YouTube just because I already had a feeling about it. Now, whether I'm powerful enough to overwhelm that or not, whatever, I already had the belief that it wasn't meant to be there. So I just didn't. Yeah. So there are other things, though, that hindsight I've looked back at and been like, holy shit, that's still up. But I it was after I'd already declared this. Right. And so right. again, this is I'm seeing it in my world, which is why I'm encouraging it. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, Great uh, reminder. once I took that, I took that down and we don't. um play that way with youtube anymore and honestly i just don't i upload and move on and i tell you what i'll, I'll introduce you to this guy because it was with adam apollo who's one of my favorite next to you brendan he's one of my oh. favorite people in the world i just think that this guy is going to change the world and and we had such an awesome conversation anyway i put it on a whole other a lot of other platforms but tell people what other platforms you're on because I know you're yeah, on, we're on a few different ones. Yeah, we're on a bunch. I mean, uh, the one that I'd like for people to go to is expandingrealitypodcast.com. I uh, made that whole thing, and I'm really proud of the way it looks. It flows really cool. Here, I'll pull it up while I'm talking about it. Um, So that's the one. But if you're wanting to go to just like any of the socials, if you're like, hey, I'm just really into – we're on all of them. Um, Instagram, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, TikTok. We have a cool TikTok. I'm doing some fun stuff over there. Anyway, this is a website. Isn't that fun? Wow. Yeah. Woohoo! Look at that. Yeah. So uh, we have our expansive content up for rentals. Um, that's not something I've seen a lot of folks do. You just usually need to support fully or not. Uh, the book is there. The handbook is right there. And then as well, merch. We have some fun merch stuff uh, going on with that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you could sign up to be an expansive insider. And this is where all the bonus stuff is. And we have the ad-free MP3 and all that kind of cool stuff. So anyway, yeah, this is where I'd like for folks to go. But also, I mean, we're on all the socials down here. So your TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And then Odyssey, YouTube, Rockfin. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we go out to like 40 or something different listener platforms. I don't even know all of them, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, That's all the audio podcasts. Yeah. Oh, darling, well, it's been such a joy. It's so much fun and so insightful and so expanding and enlightening to speak with you today. Just love you big time. Thank you so much for chatting with me today on the show. Be back. Thank you so much. This is incredible. Be back anytime. So much fun chatting with Brandon for the show today. We've known each other for a while now, a couple of years maybe. I think I went on his show about a year or two ago. Can't remember. Can't remember. And uh, yeah, and it took me this long to get him on the on my show. I think he was busy. But uh, yes, incredible, incredible man, incredible young man, just just wonderful. And the conversations he has, or the people that he puts on the show, are very different to the people I put on the show. We're both expanding reality and expanding consciousness in what we're doing with the shows. But he finds, yeah, he finds a lot of, it's a, lot, a younger generation, I suppose, because he's younger. I get maybe more older generation, more experiences, speaking about their experiences. He, I think he gets more teachers teaching all sorts of things, spirituality, mind, mindfulness, quantum physics, as he said, a lot of UFO conversations and uh, his shows are really interesting. Check it out. Check it out. And who's coming up in the inner sanctum? Sabine Ponsulet, who's been on the show uh, last year, I think it was. She was raised in Belgium, but she moved to Dubai around 11 years ago. So she's like living in the Arab world, working as an energy healer, an animal communicator. Really fascinating. I quizzed her all about that on the show. Like, how does that go down in the Arab Muslim world? You know, do they, are they into all that? She said, 
they are. So I'm just loving that the world is really opening up to these sort of types of conversations. Uh, it's interesting when your animal is sick or when you're sick and your doctor has written you off and says, we can't help you, then, you know, you turn to another way of thinking. Um, they say in a documentary that the alternative uh, healing or, or psychic ability, like energy healing, was the more common way of healing before you know, allopathic became the dominant thing. And then they sort of rendered herbs and homeopathy and as alternative to healing. Is it really alternative or can it be where you go first instead of going to the allopathic? It's kind of interesting. But anyway, so that'll be great to speak to Sabine. She is getting up at like 2 a.m. in the morning to speak to us in the inner sanctum because uh, the time zone, I can't sort of change it for her because I'm I've got the time zone. We do it on a Saturday night once a month with a guest teacher, which is or a Saturday afternoon. It's usually at night during the winter. And in, um, hang on, where is your, your summer? It's in the afternoon because of the time zones across the world. So I like to make it so that everyone can join us, like people in Europe can join, but it's usually midnight and people in New Zealand and people in Asia, not too many people in Asia join, I have to say, but yeah, so I'm catering towards Australia, Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere, and her being in Dubai, it's the middle of the night for her. So yeah, interesting. So do join us if you can. Love to see you there on our Zoom group. Just go to the karenswain.com slash inner sanctum and pop your email in there and I'll send you the Zoom link to join us on Zoom. And you get to quiz me and my guest teachers who come into Zoom Who's coming up after Sabine? Sarah Bressman Cosme. She was actually due to come on at the beginning of the year, but she changed. She's a holistic hypnotherapist and she's a bit like um, the Dolores Cannon of our time in that she's written a whole lot of books about what her clients have been saying under hypnosis. Fascinating stories. Regina Meredith loves her. She's had her on her show many times on Gaia TV. Fascinating. I love uh Sarah she's got so many things to share with us so she's coming in in July and uh, you get to meet her and quiz her about all the things that she's been revealing through her clients yeah so lots happening thanks again for listening and watching the shows and sharing the shows with your friends and relatives and who else you share the shows with I really appreciate you and I appreciate all your comments and remember to check out Brandon's show, Expanding Reality too. He's going great guns. He's got the energy and enthusiasm. I'm sort of losing after 13, 14 years of doing it and he's only been doing it for like a couple of years. So sometimes I think I'll just leave it to the young ones. What do you think? Somebody said no, but uh, there's other things to do, other things to do in the world. Big love to all of you and remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. Bye for now. See you next time.